Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open together, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we come again this morning, navigating our way through this particular book, and very thankful for the truth that God has taught us along the way. Uh, Now, the month of March, just to, to remind you, we always title men on the march. And it's our prayer that God would help us as men. Ladies, ladies are not excluded with this, uh, but the emphasis is always on the development of godly men. Men, what is your heart's desire? Uh, I pray that God would help me grow in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, my prayer is that I would not become complacent with with what I am or what I think I am or where I even think I've arrived or attained in my Christian life, knowing that I'm not where I ought to be. And if the truth be told this morning, none of us in this room can equivocally say that we are where we should be. We should all pursue Christ. We should all have that, that yearning in our soul to become more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ And I know I quote this passage often, but the Apostle Paul aptly states, not as if I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Men, ladies, you and I have a profound privilege. Just For just a moment this morning, before we, we come to the text, just for a moment, contemplate who Christ is. Consider who He is. The Bible says in John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He is is the Creator God. But may I tell you, He is also our Savior. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the fact that you and I can know him, that you and I can have a relationship with Almighty God. At the moment of salvation, remember the promise that Christ gave in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 concerning the Holy Spirit of God. He says it was expedient for him to go away, and that if he did not go away, he could not send the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And he comes, the Holy Ghost comes, and he lives within our hearts, and he bears witness with our spirit concerning Christ, concerning the Word of God, our relationship with him. You and I, just for a moment this morning, consider all that you and I have in the Lord. What a profound privilege it is. Really, there's no word that can, that can adequately describe the privilege you and I have been given to have and to know the Lord. Yeah, amen. Right. But may I tell you, you and I, we know Him as well as we want to know Him. 
And I pray that our hearts would, would hunger to know Him more. And that we would grow in our likeness to Him. And that's our prayer for the month of March. That we would just continue pursuing the Lord in our daily lives. Men, the world needs godly men. It does. You look at the landscape of Western civilization. We need men. But not just any kind of man will do. We need godly men. The world is in such deplorable condition because there's a void of godly men. We've been fed the line that, uh, that you know, it's okay, it's okay to just equivocate and, and roll over and give in uh, to things that, that, are, that are ungodly, that are impure, that are unrighteous. But the reality is, you and I must stand for truth. We must live for Christ in the Spirit of Christ, making a difference in our homes, in our places of work, and in this world. And as we come here to the Word of God this morning, again, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, they're all linked together. Remember, chapter divisions are not inspired of God. This is this one passage in which we find the spiritual gifts mentioned. That every one of us in this room today, you possess something given to you by God. The Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That God has given you a special talent, a special ability with which you are to serve him in and through the local church. And, and, he, and he tells us that every one of us are vitally important. You know, the church could not function well. It might function, but it will not function well, or it may not necessarily fulfill um, or attain to the level of, of, um, of life, of activity that God desires for it to, if we don't all work together. The Lord needs you. You are important. And those just are not just simple, shallow words. It's true. We're all part of the body of Christ. Every one of us have something we bring to the table. We all have something that we can offer to the Lord in service to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as we come to chapter 14, we find the application of all of this. Remember the church in Corinth, they were carnal. They were not right. They were wrong. They were not living Christ-centered lives. They were living self-centered lives. And their carnality wrought chaos and confusion within the meetings themselves, as the church would gather, uh, th there was so much chaos and so much contention because they were very prideful in their carnality. You realize that that's what carnality produces. Is, it's just the manifestation of pride. The Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 2, it says, In all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth 
forever. Well, what in is the will of God? The will of God is for you to come to know Christ. That's his will for you. It's your choice in the matter, but that's, I mean, Christ died to save sinners. And as we come to the word of God this morning, we see here that there is something that, that you and I must lay hold upon if we will live our lives for his glory. Now, I believe, I, if I've, I think I said it before, but the, the chaos and carnality manifested in the church house, no doubt was taking place in the home. There's no question about it. Everything is downstream from the home. Everything. And so all of the, the carnality and all of the contention, all of the pride, the hurt, all of the turmoil, all of the strife, it was not just manifesting itself in the church house. It was manifesting itself in their own houses. And I wonder where, how we are this morning. How, how are you? How are you? Are you good? I trust you're well. And I trust that God is giving you victory in your Christian life. I trust the Lord is, is guiding you and directing you in your home, answering prayers, reconciling differences, help working to produce something strong, healthy, and godly. But there's something of utmost importance. If this will be the case, there's something that you and I must do. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read together here in God's Word, beginning in verse number 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. Notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse one, the Bible, 21. The Bible says, In the law it is written, men, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy and and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned. He is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace, for ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, 
as in all churches of the saints. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. And again, Lord, our prayer is for your blessing and your power upon this time. Lord, my prayer is that each of us would be here today earnestly desiring to hear from you. That we would come to church this morning having expected to hear from you. Lord, anticipating it, eagerly awaiting it, willing to act upon what we hear from you today. Lord, our prayer is that you would transform us, that you'd help us become more like Christ, that you'd help us see here today the necessity of biblical authority. And so, Lord, we pray that you would lead us and guide us in these moments, that you'd stir our hearts. And Lord, if there's areas of our lives that we have, in which we have failed, Lord, or where we need reinforcement or help or betterment, improvement, Lord, we pray that we would be honest before you and that you would help us make the decisions and the adjustments necessary to where you can receive full honor and glory from your children. Lord, again, if there's someone here today who doesn't know Christ as Savior, Lord, our prayer for them is that they'd be saved. They'd come under the knowledge of the truth. But Lord, we pray for your guidance now that you would speak to each individual heart. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Word of God says in the 32nd verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, in verse number 32, the Bible says, And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What does this mean? This means that you and I are accountable to God's word. You see, there's, a, there's the necessity here. Just remember, Paul is, is he's correcting the church and They were misusing the gifts that God had given. They were were misplacing the emphasis that God had made. Of course, you know, we're thankful for all the gifts that God has given, for every talent, everything that God has entrusted to our care for the furtherance of the gospel. But even at the end of chapter number 12 in verse 31, he says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And, And the most... May I tell you the most uniting and the most edifying of all the spiritual gifts is the gift of prophecy. Now, don't be confused by the word prophecy. Some use, or when the the word prophecy is used, our minds think to someone foretelling the future. That's not necessarily the gift of prophecy. Now, maybe... Years ago, in the Old Testament, the prophets, you know what they were called? They were called the seers. They, they, they would receive a word from God, and they would prophesy, they would proclaim the truth, and sometimes uh, that involved foretelling the future. But the main responsibility, the primary job of a prophet was not to foretell, but to foretell. It is just to preach the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. You know what the most divisive of all the spiritual gifts tends to be? 
the misuse of tongues. Years ago, I, grew, I, I did not grow up uh, in an independent Baptist church. And I remember in my, my, my mid-teen years, the church that we attended split. Do you know why it split? Because there was a contingent of people that did not allow God's word to be their final authority. You see, in our lives, men, women, Christian brethren, the Word of God must be our authority. If you and I will be godly men and leaders in our homes, as God's Word commands for us to be, the shepherds, the protectors of our home. We need to be godly. We need to be spiritual men, don't we? Men who love God. Men who are growing in grace. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, we cannot be spiritual people unless we are scriptural people. The Word of God must be our authority. You and I are accountable, aren't we? Every one of us are accountable to God. I want you to hold your place and look back with me in the, in, in the book of Romans. Romans Chapter number 12. And knowing that God's Word is our authority, we see our responsibility to God's Word. The Bible says in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. You know what the world wants us to be, don't you? It wants us to be conformed. You know that life is easier if you just conform? If you just go along with it. If you just get in line and, and do as you're told, life is so much easier. But God commands us, saying, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You and I have... We have the opportunity here this morning of conformity or transformation. Conformity, it might be easier now, but it'll be much more difficult later on. 
Because the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The word of God we read, we're accountable for. I, I do not know how many times I have read the Bible through, but I'm accountable to God for every word that I've read. When you open the Word of God and you study it, meditate upon it, memorize it, when you understand it, you're accountable to God for it. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God's word is not man's word. God's word is God's word. It was inspired by God, written down by holy men as he told them what to write. There were times when these holy men didn't understand what they wrote, but they wrote it anyway because God inspired them to write it. Some of the things that, that, they, that they penned down, having been inspired of God, they deemed difficult. But do you realize today the, the blessing of God's word? The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What is God's will and purpose for us? God's will and purpose for us is to make this book our life's authority. Men, every one of us need accountability. If you, do, if you don't want count, accountability in your life, that just proves a greater need for accountability in your life. We are, we're all accountable, aren't we? We're accountable to God. Men, you're accountable to your wife. At least you ought to be. Wives, you are accountable to your husbands. At least you ought to be. Children, you are accountable to your parents. And all of us are accountable to God. I want you to look with me. Turn to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, you and I will one day stand before the Lord. 
at the judgment seat of Christ, we will give account of God, to, to the Lord for everything that we do in this life. And the Bible says in, in first, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 9, he says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. My prayer is that my life would be acceptable to the Lord. That my actions, my attitudes, my words, every idle thought, that everything would glorify and honor Christ. And whether we realize it or not, in the, in the heat of the moment, every one of us will one day stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Bible says, look in verse number 10 of chapter 5 there, 2 Corinthians. He says, for we must all appear. Who? All. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Friends, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You know why I'm here this morning? To persuade you to live for Jesus Christ. To know Him and to live for Him. There is nothing in this world that will satisfy your soul more than knowing Christ and living for Christ. You and I, we're not created for ourselves. You do not exist for you. We are told today that, that life is all about me. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's it, right? Do as you please. Come and go as you please. Treat others as you please. That's not why we're created. Life isn't about you. <laughs> Don't throw any tomatoes. Right? But life's not about us, is it? The Bible says, for His pleasure we are and were created. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. God created you for Him. And you and I can know Him and live for Him. Are you? You and I are accountable to God. One day, we'll stand before Him. And I'm not here to scare you or intimidate you. I'm just here to tell you the truth today. We are all going to one day stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give account of our lives. And as you look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I find three ingredients of a godly man's life. Three ingredients of a godly man's life. Ingredients that will help us know him and live for him. Notice the first. Well, if you're in the habit of writing these down, write this down. The first ingredient of a godly man is this, that he values sound biblical preaching. He values sound biblical preaching. Look what the Bible says back in verse 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul writes, he says, In the law it is written, I have, that, I have that underlined in my Bible. In the law, it is written. Well, what's the law? What, what is Paul referring to? Is he talking about the first five books of the Bible? I mean, that's the law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law. Or what is he referring to? He's actually, in the next verse, going to quote 
a passage from the Old Testament. And oftentimes they would call the law, they would refer to other parts of the Bible or other parts of the Old Testament, the Torah, they would refer to it as the law. There are books of the law, five books of the law, 12 books of history, five uh, books of poetry, five major prophets, 12 minor prophets. 512, 5512. There you go. That's how you remember it. And in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, Paul references. Look here, he says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. You see, much of what takes place in contemporary Christianity today is unbiblical. Therefore, it is unsound. Do you know what the best commentary on the Bible is? The Bible. It is God's unfolding drama of redemption. It all speaks of Jesus Christ. And it is all for our benefit. It is all for our aid. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, truly furnished in all good works. So when the Apostle Paul makes a statement there in verse 32, and he says that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, what is he talking about? He's talking about the law of God. You and I are accountable to God's word. The church in Corinth didn't quite understand that. And they had gone about living in such a way that they were beginning to, to practice their Christian life contrary to the Word of God. I don't want to practice my Christian life contrary to the Word of God. I want to be obedient to the Word of God. Uh, not in a prideful sense or a pious sense, uh, because I'm, not, I'm no better than any of you. But the reality is, my, my prayer is that God would help me fall in line with the Word of God. Do you realize that God's word will never contradict itself? It is always true. It is always right. What we find in the Old Testament, we, we come to find fully developed in the New Testament. It's all given by inspiration of God. And so now, the, the church in Corinth, they're, remember, they're, they're practicing uh, their, their faith unbiblically, unscripturally. And so Paul calls them into check. And he does so by sharing the word of God. Now, sometimes I don't necessarily in my flesh always appreciate a strong biblical sermon. And if you are honest, you don't always appreciate it either. Because in my flesh, in my pride, in my carnality, I want to be right and I want to do as I please. But let God be true and every man a liar. It's our desire in our hearts to fall in line with what the Bible says. Therefore, Paul calls their attention to the book of Isaiah. Look with me, if you would, please, in Isaiah chapter number 28. Isaiah chapter number 28. This is a, a wonderful passage of Scripture. Isaiah chapter number 28. So it speaks of the unfolding work of God. 
our, our need to, to preach the word of God line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, we find the, the, the pattern established by the Old Testament prophets. The Bible says in verse 5, he says, or I'm sorry, let's just look down in, in verse number 9, he says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and, and drawn from the beasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips, notice here we find Paul's quote there in verse 21. Verse number 11, he says, For with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people. What people will he speak to? The Jewish nation, uh, Israel the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The, the Hebrews, the Jews, those are the people to whom he will speak with an unknown tongue. He says, uh, to, whom saith, uh, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. What was the problem that the Jews faced in the Old Testament? They were apostate. <laughs> they, were, they were sinful. They were rebellious. And you know what the judgment was? This is what tongues is. Tongues is a known language that you don't know. It's an actual language. So in Acts chapter 2, when, when the Jews came to, to observe the Feast of Pentecost, the celebration of Pentecost, and Peter stood up and preached in an unknown tongue, it was they heard them in their own language. It wasn't some mystical noise. It wasn't Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 right? It, they understood what it was. They heard it in their own language. What was it for? It was their condemnation. It was a constant reminder of their sin, of their rejection of God, of their going their own direction. Look back and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse number 22, he says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe. <laughs> so when you come to church, the tongue is not for each other. Right. If, if you're here this morning, you know Christ is your Savior, raise your hand. You're, you're one who believes. Tongues are not for you. They're not for you. Amen. Who are they for? They're for unbelieving Jews. That was the people to whom the Lord was speaking. And he goes on, he says, but to them that believe not, but prophesying, notice, prophesying, preaching the word of God, serveth not for them that believe, or believe not, but for them which believe. So what helps you? Preaching. But not just any kind of preaching. Biblical preaching. Sound, doctrinally sound, biblical preaching. That's what helps me grow in my walk with Jesus Christ. 
He goes on and he says in verse 23, he says, if, there, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? Those people are crazy. Where's the door? Have you ever been in a place like that? On vacation, my wife and I, we try to go to church. Uh, and so we'll, uh, we don't try, we do go to church on vacation, just so you know. Um, just let me clarify that, let me reword that, back up a little bit, restate it. We go to church on vacation. Why? Because we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But every now and then, you'll go to a church, it's like, what? They pass the guest card, I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> we're going to hold on to that one, you know? We're looking for the door. Why? Because there's disorder. There's chaos. There's confusion. God does all things well. God is not a God of disorder. You look at the world in which we live. God created the heaven and the earth. God created everything to function appropriately, correctly, precisely, so that you and I can enjoy the earth upon which he's placed us. God is not, a, he's not the author of confusion. So when people come in like, man, those people are crazy. That's not of God. God is a God of order. That's why he says, let all things be done decently and in order. And he goes on, he makes a statement in verse 20, uh, 24. He says, but if all prophesy, notice that word again, prophesy, or preach the word of God, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, notice, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. The word of God does not return void. People who come in, though they may not know Christ as Savior, you know what they're going to hear? They're going to hear the word of God. So that they can understand it in their heart, and be convinced of all to be judged of all, be judged by this book. Not judged of us, but judged of the Lord, judged of God, convinced in their heart that they need Christ, that they need to place their faith in Him, turn from their sin and trust in Christ. Prophecy is great. Preaching is good. The Bible says in verse 25, it says, And thus are the secrets of His heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God. What is the requirement to worship God? Can anyone just worship God? No. Worship belongs solely to God's people. The unsaved man cannot worship God. God is a spirit. Remember what, what Jesus said in, in John chapter 4. Turn there with me if you would please. John, chapter number 4, as Christ meets the woman there at the well, he has that, that conversation, and we see the grace and mercy of God on full display as he says he must needs go through Samaria. He went there to meet this lady at this awkward time of the day so that he could reveal himself to her and that she would be saved. What a mighty God we serve. She says in verse 20 of John 4, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. 
Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The only people who can worship God are those who've placed their faith in Christ. The church is not what we often make it to be. I am all for evangelism. I believe it's necessary. I believe it's important. I believe it's commanded. And we evangelize. That's why we're in the process of working to mail out 15,588 Gospel of John and Book of Romans to Canal Winchester and all of Groveport. That's why we do these things. That's why we go door to door. That's why we confront people with the gospel. This is why we have Bible clubs in the public schools. This is why we run a bus route. This is why we do the things we do. This is why we support and send missionaries around the world. Because if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And the Lord said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But what's the church for? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The church is for the sheep. It's not for the goats. It's for you and for me. And we come to church and, we, and it's important that we sit and we, we, we be preached to and hear from the word of God so that you and I can grow and be confronted with truth. He says, I charge thee therefore before God, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Don't be turned away from the truth. Turn to it. Love, appreciate, value the preaching of the Bible. Notice the second ingredient of a godly man. As we look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we also find that a godly man seeks the edification of others. Now this is rather redundant, isn't it? But edification is a major theme of these chapters of God's Word. What is edification? Remember, the word edify means to build up. We're to build up each other in our most holy faith. That's what Jude tells us. You and I are to grow or not to destroy. We are to help. We are not to hurt or hinder. We're not to live carnally. We're not to be self-absorbed, selfish people. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here today? Why are you here? Well, uh, it's, the, it's the right place to be. The Lord tells me to come to church, so I'm at church. Great, but why are you here? What is the motivation of your heart in coming to church? We know the Bible says to, so we're here. But 
what are you seeking after this morning? So often, you know what, America, we are consumers, aren't we? Year, you know, it, time has passed. We're no longer a producing nation. We are a consuming nation. We've been taught from the cradle that we can go to McDonald's and have the fast food ordered just the way we want it. That life can be tailored to me. My wants. My desires. When I come to church, I'm looking for how that church can minister to me. I'm looking at the programs. I'm looking at what they offer. Looking, you know, all of these things. That's wrong. It's wrong. You know what church is about? It's about edification of others. Look what the Bible says in verse 26. It says, How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Notice what he says at the end of the verse, verse 26. Let all things be done unto edifying. When you come to church, you know what you should ask yourself? Who can I encourage today? Who can I help today? How can I pray for you? It's good to see you this morning. You know, a word of encouragement goes a long way, doesn't it? You don't just sit there with a scowl on your face. You go and, and be a blessing to someone. Be an encouragement. You never know how God can use that. But you know, we shouldn't just live that way on Sundays. We should live that way every day. How can I help you? How can I be an encouragement to you? What can I do to help you? Make me a... We sing the song, well, we haven't sang it for a while. Maybe we should. Make me a blessing, right? Make me a blessing to someone today. All things be done and edifying. He says, verse 27, If any man... Speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by, by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak two or three, and, that, and, and let the other judge. The church, every word, the, the emphasis, remember, the vehicles of truth are our words. Your words go a long way. I want my words to be full of health. I want my words to, to encourage you. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Who have you encouraged today? In the church in Corinth, you know what they you know what the whole model was that they had? It's my turn! It's me! Let me get up and say something. I got to sing a song. I got something to share. Uh, they had eye problems. I, 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 I. But it's not that way. It ought not be that way. That does nobody any good. A godly man understands 
that his job is to strengthen others. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament was the relationship that Jonathan had with David. Jonathan, Saul's son, the rightful heir to the throne, right? Yet Jonathan loved Saul. David was discouraged. You know what Jonathan did? He went to David, he sought him out. The Bible says that he went to David in the wood where David was hiding and he strengthened his hand in God. Church, there's a lot of us who have weak hands today, aren't we? Burdened people. I don't know what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through, but one thing I can do is be nice to you, is to care for you, to pray with you and to pray for you, to strengthen your hand in God, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Who have you encouraged today? Notice the third and final ingredient of a godly man is that a godly man leads others to peace and comfort. A godly man leads others to peace and comfort. Look what the Bible says in verse 30. It says, If if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. It says, For ye all, I'm sorry, for ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. Mark that word, comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Note the word peace, as in all churches of the saints. Comfort and peace. You and I are to comfort others. How can I comfort you? You know, the, the longer I live, the more I experience, the, real, uh, the more I realize how insufficient I am. Recently, I, I was trying to help someone who had just lost a loved one in the most tragic of circumstances. Awful. And we're ushered into this room and there's a lady, a mother, a grand, a wife, two children, all in the room, tears just running down faces, uncontrollable sobbing. And here I am. What do, you do? what do you say? What do you do? No word that I say will ever be sufficient. 
just trite. Sounds empty or hollow. I made my way up to the to where the the man's wife was sitting. I put my hand on her shoulder and leaned down. Sorry. Sorry. May I pray for you? And we bowed our heads and we prayed. In a situation that was chaotic, confusing, sad as can be. We prayed for comfort. We prayed for peace. The reality is, church, none of us will ever understand But one thing we know is that God does. The Bible says He's a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And He alone is able to comfort. And He alone is able to bring peace. So what's the solution? The solution is Jesus Christ. I can't help you, but I know somebody who can. Yes, that's right. Amen. May I tell you about him? See, if you and I want the peace of God, we have to, as Paul wrote the church in Philippi, have a relationship with the God of peace. If you want comfort, then you need to know the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost. A godly man understands he doesn't have the answers. Church, I'm of no benefit to you. I have nothing I can offer you. But the Lord does. And the Lord can. And that's why I'm here. To lead you to Jesus Christ. The Bible says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. A godly man is accountable to God, isn't he? How will you live your life? Will you value sound Biblical preaching? Will you edify others? Will you lead others to comfort and peace, which is found only in Jesus Christ? May the Lord help us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.